0: Hello, friends. This is Hawkeye Talk with Jimmy Hawk, Season 3, Episode 11. We are 13 days from entering Kinnick Stadium to watch the Hawkeyes play. Only six days for, I believe, what's the first Big Ten game in Week 0, which is Nebraska and Northwestern facing off in Dublin, Ireland. Hard to believe. The time is approaching. It seems so far away, and then the summer just keeps rolling. Uh, School's back in session, and next thing you know, fall is here and it's time for football, really my favorite time of the year. But with so much talk during the offseason and all of last season, frankly, about quarterback play and who will be under center for the 2022 season, I wanted to go back and pick who I think are the top five quarterbacks to play under coach Kirk Ferentz in his 23 years as the head coach at Iowa. And I didn't have any set criteria you know that you have to hit this completion percentage that's a big factor of course or td to interception ratio yards per attempt total yards total tds all all really good statistics but i think what really ended up driving my picks more than anything for that top five were wins and losses big seasons leading the team to 10 win seasons or top 10 finishes to seasons really seemed to to rise the quarterbacks to the top of that list and I only picked five and it, it was kind of interesting to me I, I could immediately pick four uh, at the top of my head that I thought would be in there and then as I started going through season by season and, and looking at the players and doing my evaluation um, they all did they all did end up in my top five and then Added another one in who who had quite a career for the Hawkeyes as well. But you typically can't have a big season without a really good quarterback. And if you go back into Hayden Fry's era, I think it's pretty easy to pick number one there. Chuck Long, Heisman Trophy runner-up to Bo Jackson. That great year that he had in 1985 and just a magical season. The win at Kinnick Stadium, number one Hawkeyes over the number two Wolverines. And there were other good ones under Hayden as well, Chuck Hartley, Matt Rogers, and others. But for this podcast, I'm just sticking with Kirk Ferentz from 1999 to present and which five players did I pick as the top five quarterbacks during that era and go through some of the statistics and wins and losses and the seasons that made those those five quarterbacks rise to the top. Well, let's get to the list now, and my pick for the number one quarterback during the Kirk Ferentz era is Brad Banks. Coming from Iowa, from Hines Community College in Mississippi, where he played a wide receiver as a freshman, then led the team to an 11-win season at quarterback as a sophomore, and Banks transferred to Iowa with two years of eligibility. He really starred in just one season at Iowa. And he was a Heisman Trophy runner-up after that magical 2002 season. He did get some reps the prior year in 2001, played in 10 games. So they it seemed like they really made a conscious effort to get him reps and get him out on the field playing in front of crowds. He was 41 of 68 for 580 yards passing. A pretty nice completion percentage there, 60%. He had four TDs, two interceptions and also had 41 carries for 151 yards. So he, he did get in there, you know, played quite a bit. Um, and, and it was, I think, the coaches trying to get his feet wet, get him used to playing in front of large crowds. He was behind Kyle McCann that year. And if you recall, 2001 was really the breakout year for the Hawkeyes under Kirk Ferentz. They'd gone 1-11 in year one, 3-9 and nine in year two, and then the Hawkeyes turned it around and went 7-5 and five and won the Alamo Bowl in 2001 with Kyle McCann at quarterback. And this team was so close to doing more than they did. Some really close losses, but they were never blown out. And you could tell that they were just so close to really turning the corner to be a really, really good team. And you have to give Kyle McCann credit. Looking back, I mean, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have guessed this at all, but he completed 66% of his passes. And he had 16 touchdowns to 11 interceptions. Not not superb there, but but uh, no, not too bad either. And, and we got to see some of Brad Banks. And uh, that gave us optimism as we were going into the 2002 season after the bowl win. Hawkeyes winning the Alamo Bowl after the 2001 season. Well, in 2002, Brad Banks completed 58% of his passes. He had just under 2,600 yards, 26 touchdowns, five interceptions. Really excellent touchdown-to-interception ratio. And he also carried the ball 81 times for 423 yards and five touchdowns, so almost 3,000 total yards. Banks led the Hawkeyes to an 11-2 season, losses to Iowa State, kind of a freak game. The Hawkeyes were up big at half. Banks had an injury, and he fumbled. And some really inopportune times in the second half, given Iowa State a short field. And that was a, a pretty decent Iowa State team as well with Seneca Wallace that year, and they came back and won at Kinnick. But the Hawkeyes did not lose in the Big Ten that year and tied Ohio State for the championship since those teams didn't face each other that season. I had always wondered, man, what would have happened if the Hawkeyes faced the Buckeyes that year? After the season finale in Minnesota, Kirk Ferentz was carried off by the players holding a rose. I have a signed Des Moines register that's framed in my office with the captain's autograph. And, and what an just an unbelievable season. Just so much fun. So many memorable moments. But the Hawkeyes couldn't get past USC in the Orange Bowl. Really good USC team. They had quarterback Carson Palmer, star defensive back Troy Polamalu, And the Hawkeyes finished the season ranked in the top ten. For the first time under Kirk Ferentz. And back to Brad Banks. Just a really incredible season. The clutch plays you know, that he had that year. I always think of the Purdue game at Kinnick Stadium. Just a really special game. Had so much fun in the stands that day. Just a back and forth game. Hawkeyes were down early and, and came back. And Banks connecting with Dallas Clark for the TD on fourth down to take that lead for good in the fourth quarter. Just amazing. So many highlights. In that season. And Brad Banks was runner up for the Heisman, to ironically enough, Carson Palmer, the quarterback for USC. Banks did win the Davy O'Brien Award for the nation's best quarterback, and he was the AP College Player of the Year, an All American, Big Ten MVP, and, and many other awards. He had some really great offensive players on that team, you know, really good offensive line, several guys who had nice careers in the NFL. And then C.J. Jones and Mo Brown at wide receiver, Dallas Clark at tight end, Jamal Lewis, Freddie Russell, running the ball. It was just a great team, a lot of really fond memories. And, you know, probably my number one memory from that season was the road trip to Michigan and just beating Michigan soundly at the big house. Just having such a blast with friends, tailgating and celebrating the win in Ann Arbor. Well, Brad Banks never caught on in the NFL, but he did play some in Canada as well as in the Arena League. Well, what a year Brad Banks had for the Hawkeyes in 2002, one of the years I'll never forget as an Iowa Hawkeye football fan, just a, a great team that year and, and a great leader with Brad Banks. My next pick for top quarterbacks of the Kirk Ferentz era is Ricky Stanzi. They called him Stansey the Manzy. Ricky came to the Hawkeyes from Lake Catholic High in Ohio and posted a 26-9 record as starter for Iowa. He never lost to a top-five team in his career, boasting a 3-0 record. And Joe Pa, I mean, I think he must have given Joe Pa nightmare. Stansy was 3-0 over the Lions. A couple of just huge wins over the Nittany Lions during his career. As, as a sophomore, there was a quarterback battle. Uh, it was Stanzi and Jake Christensen. Stanzi ended up getting the starting nod a few games into the season. He threw for just under 2,000 yards that year, 59% completion percentage, 14 touchdowns, 9 interceptions. It was a year where the Hawkeyes had a really good defense in that 2008 season, but they had some rough spots. They were 3-0 after a win over the Cyclones, 17-5. And then the Hawkeyes lost by one point at Pittsburgh, lost by, by five points at Northwestern, and three points at Michigan State. But the Hawkeyes kept grinding. They just seemed to keep getting better with Ricky at the helm, and they won six of the last seven, including a 31-10 Outback Bowl win over the South Carolina Gamecocks. It was so so fun that year as far as Sean Green some of those games where he just ran over people. Unbelievable games at Kinnick. Get over 100 yards or more in every game. Really fun win over Wisconsin that year where he just ran around and through guys. Same with Purdue. Just just, just knocking guys over and, and then just running, sprinting into the end zone. And the Hawkeyes beat number three Penn State at home on a last-second field goal to knock them out of the national championship championship. Uh, contention that year and then that final win 55 to nothing over Minnesota at the Metrodome well 2009 was a another one of those just unbelievable seasons for the Hawkeyes with Stansy at the helm a 35 to 3 win over Iowa State they took care of business against Arizona and they knocked off number five Penn State again a huge win over the Nittany Lions the Hawkeyes were 9-0 with Northwestern coming to town, and that's when Stansy got hurt on that bootleg pass in the end zone. I believe he broke his ankle, if I'm remembering correctly, and he fumbled. Northwestern dove on it, scored in the end zone. James Vandenberg came off the bench but the Hawkeyes team. Kinnick Stadium, every just, everything just seemed deflated. You know, you're know, you a 9-0 and team, and your quarterback gets carted off the field. And the Hawkeyes ended up losing that game 10-17. to 17. Well, Vandenberg, uh, Vandenberg, he played you know really well at Ohio State the next week. But the Hawkeyes lost in overtime by three. And finished the season by blanking Minnesota. And then Stansy was back for the bowl game. The Hawkeyes got an invitation to the Orange Bowl where they beat Georgia Tech. And I attended that one. Just had a real blast in Miami. But it was a cold, windy game day that felt more like Iowa City in October or November than it did Miami. So it was interesting. But 11-2, and, and the Hawkeyes finished in the top 10 once again after they'd had a bit of a drought. The Hawkeyes were in the top 10 2002 through 2004, and the Hawkeyes were there again. Stansy threw for 2,400 yards, 17 touchdowns, 15 interceptions in 2009. And then the 2010 season, his final season as a Hawk, he threw for 3,000 yards. He had a completion percentage of 64%, almost eight percentage points higher than the prior year. 25 touchdowns, six interceptions, just really exceptional. And, And he really accelerated his play at the quarterback position. But that 2010 season just did not go as planned. Hawkeyes had a really good defense. I mean, a great defense. But they had the early loss in the desert. You know, again, just a a really weird game in Arizona. The Hawkeyes lost in Tucson. But the Hawkeyes were rolling until they lost by one to number 10 Wisconsin. Uh, they, they, They battled back after that with a huge win over number five Michigan State at home. And then late in the year, there were just three straight losses by three or four points at Northwestern, Ohio State at home. I just remember... Fourth down conversions on the game-winning drive for Wisconsin, or for, for Ohio State. Picture of the quarterback scrambling for first down on fourth and eight. And then a really disappointing loss at the end of the season at Minnesota. But The Hawkeyes were able to get a win in the desert at Sunday, Sun Devil Stadium in a game that I attended. Mike, Micah Hyde with a pick six to seal the victory in the Insight.com Bowl. So 8-5 and five that year, it just seemed like a better team than that. Ricky had a great career, though, as a Hawkeye. He had a great season that year, too, if you look at his numbers. And he was a fifth-round pick of the Kansas City Chiefs, where he made the roster for a couple of years before joining a few other teams for tryouts, practice squad, and headed for Canada for a year or two. So Ricky Stanzi is my number two quarterback in the Kirk Ferentz era. My pick for the number three quarterback during the Kirk Ferentz era is Drew Tate. He came to the Hawkeyes from Robert E. Lee High School in Texas, had 61 career touchdowns, over 8,200 yards passing. He was the Big Ten player of the year in 2004. The coaches named him first team All-Big Ten that year. He was the capital MVP that season after the tate to Holloway 56-yard touchdown pass to win the game, probably my favorite play of all time. Being at that game, just the unbelievable range of emotions. The Hawkeyes leading for much of the game until they gave up a couple of touchdowns late to LSU and then pulling it out in just dramatic fashion. Warren Holloway scored his first touchdown of his career as a senior in the bowl game. Tate was a three-year starter for the Hawkeyes, and it seemed like he was hampered a little bit, from what I've heard, by injuries his senior year, but that 2004 season was just something else. The running backs kept getting injured in really alarming fashion, and somehow the Hawkeyes gutted out a 10-3 season, another top-10 finish, the third in a row uh, for a top-10 finish. And After getting really dominated against Arizona State, uh, against the Sun Devils, I was there with my brother and my dad, and I remember wondering after that game, how are the Hawkeyes going to win another game this season? They can't run the ball. They can't pass the ball. They just couldn't do anything. They couldn't play defense. They lost forty-four to seven, and the seven points came late on a punt return for the for a touchdown. So, just it just seemed really hopeless at that point. And the next game was a road test at Michigan and Ann Arbor. The Hawkeyes lost again, but but they seemed to have something there. You could tell that this was a tough team and that they were battling. They were trying to get better. And the Hawkeyes dropped to 2-2. Two two. They had beaten Kent State and Iowa State to start the year. And so what's going to happen? They're at five hundred. at sitting at 2-2. Two two. They rattled off eight straight wins to finish the regular season. They had home wins over Michigan State and Ohio State. And People forget this, it seems like, but Iowa beat Ohio State 33-7 that year. And it was also the year of the, the just... Crazy six to four win over Penn State and Happy Valley. Amazing game after Coach Ferrance's father had passed away. Really emotional at the end, pulling out a big road win over the Nittany Lions. And the regular season concluded with a 30 to seven win over number nine Wisconsin. What a day that was at Kinnick Stadium. And as I mentioned, the Tate to Holloway pass for the big win over Nick Saban with the clock expiring, and the LSU Tigers at the Capital One Bowl. Tate had a 62% completion percentage that year, 20 touchdowns, 14 interceptions, just under 2,800 yards. That really may be the best coaching job this Hawkeye staff has done with the running backs being out for much of the season, not having much of a running game, walk-ons getting a lot of the snaps, but they adjusted somehow and won a lot of games. If we go to the 2005 season, it just didn't quite go as planned that year. There was an early loss to Iowa State where Drew Tate was knocked out of the game after going for a tackle, after he threw an interception. The Hawkeyes had a, a prior fumble to that, and it was a good team. They just they just didn't get the wins. Uh, the Hawkeyes lost pretty handily to Ohio State. Two just really close losses to Michigan and Northwestern. And things could have been made better that year with a win over Florida in the Outback Bowl, but the refs would not allow that to happen. They weren't going to let the Hawkeyes win. If You can go on YouTube and search for that game and watch the 8 or 10 just unbelievably horrible calls against the Hawkeyes. It, it, It really is one of those where you just shake your head and you don't know how refs can be that incompetent without something going on behind the scenes, but... That ended up being a seven and five season after the Hawkeyes lost to the Gators by a touchdown. Kind of a rough season, but you know, in two thousand six, they say that Tate was hurt. You know, his stats didn't really look too bad that year, his senior year, but he just didn't have the same res- receiving core that year either. He had Scott Chandler at tight end; he was a really good tight end, and there were a lot of close losses. But the Hawks finished the 2006 season with four straight losses including Texas in the Alamo Bowl and I I mean that was another close game it was a two-point loss to Texas and the Hawkeyes definitely weren't favored in that game with Texas being ranked but they lost to Wisconsin by 3, Indiana by 3. They really had opportunities but they ended up with a 6 and 7 record. So a little bit disappointing there but Tate really had a great career, 3 years starting You know, I just don't think he had the horses that final year. But his stats were pretty good across the board. 8,200 yards passing, as I mentioned, for his career. Over 2,600 yards each season. 59% completion as a senior, but 62% the other years. And then 60 touchdown passes in his three years. I really like Drew Tate. He was a fiery guy and really fun to watch out there. He didn't stick, really, in the NFL. Um... He tried out, but then he went to the CFL, where he had you know quite a bit of success and, and played for quite some years. You know, you look at Brad Banks, five eleven, Tate six feet tall, not really your prototypical NFL quarterback. Um, but in Canada, he was the rushing TD leader one year for the CFL. Twenty fourteen, he had ten rushing touchdowns. Kind of a an interesting little fact there. My pick for number four is C.J. Beathard, and it's not just because his dad, Casey, has written some of the best country music songs over the last 20 years for the likes of George Strait, Kenny Chesney, and Eric Church, but it's really because of that 2015 season. He gutted through injuries, and he led that team to a 12-0 and regular season before that late loss. to Michigan State, Just just heart-wrenching loss. In the Big Ten Championship game, 85-yard touchdown pass to Devon Smith. It's going to be forever one of my favorite plays I've seen live. And he was second team all Big Ten that year. Just a heck of a tough player. Well, CJ sat behind Jake Rudock in 2013. He got some playing time in 2014 with some injuries to Rudock, And he did pretty well. You know, he didn't really light things up. But he had a nice game against Purdue, 245 yards passing. And it was another five-loss season, six if you count that just horrible bowl performance against Tennessee, where the Hawkeyes lost forty-five to twenty-eight. The game wasn't really that close, and the Hawkeyes rotated the two quarterbacks in that game. Bethard had two touchdown passes and the majority of the passing yards. After the game, Kirk Ferentz announced Bethard as the starting quarterback. For the 2015 season. And Rudock was not a bad quarterback. He went to Michigan. Where he started in his final season. He was in the NFL for a while. As a backup. But the players just seemed to be behind CJ. And the coaches named him the starter. And 2015 became. Just another. Really incredible season for the Hawkeyes. One of the big wins early on that year was a 31-17 win at Iowa State. And CJ Befford had some great runs in that game, as well as just some just some beautiful touchdown passes. There was the 56-yard field goal for the win over Pittsburgh. The somewhat miraculous 10-6 win over the 19th-ranked Badgers in Madison. Just some really gutty wins, close games, but the Hawkeyes. Capped their 12 and 0 regular season with a 28 to 20 win over the Cornhuskers in Lincoln, but the season did end 12 and 2 after the 16 to 13 loss in the Big Ten Championship game, and then the loss in the Rose Bowl. But what a season! We went to the Rose Bowl, had a really good time, you know, with fans and and all the things you could do out there, the tailgating. Just the game wasn't a whole lot of fun as far as the results. Well, obviously, in 2015, C.J. had a really solid season, and he completed just under 62% of his passes, threw for 2,800 yards, had 17 touchdowns to five interceptions. And that 2015 team had quite a group of running backs, led by Jordan Canzeri and LaShawn Daniels, Jr. Devon Smith was a great wide receiver. Two good tight ends with Krieger Koble, George Kittle, and then 2016, his senior year, just didn't go, you know, quite as well. There was the 42 to three thrashing of Iowa State, but the Hawkeyes dropped a two point loss to North Dakota State at Kinnick. Really a tough game, uh, dropping, dropping that game to an FCS opponent, and then dropped a home game to Northwestern. And those were really the only bad losses. Um, you know, with the additional losses being to number ten Wisconsin, number twenty Penn State, but that was a a rare big loss for the Hawkeyes, where they gave up a lot of points and and just just didn't seem right that day. But Iowa did come back with three straight wins to end the regular season, starting with a big fourteen to thirteen win over the Michigan Wolverines on a last second field goal by Keith Duncan. What an electric environment in Kinnick for that game. Then the Hawkeyes blanked Illinois and beat number 17 Nebraska at home 40-10. to But it was a really rough Outback Bowl, uh, 30-3. The Hawkeyes just weren't clicking on that day to end C.J. Bethard in the Hawkeyes' year. Well, LaShawn Daniels and Wadley both have had over 1,000 yards rushing that season and 10 touchdowns. Riley McCarran was the leading receiver. Uh, George Kittle, Germanic Smith. Had 22 and 23 receptions each. More of a running team that season. Things just didn't seem to click as well offensively. C.J. with a 57% completion rate, 1,900 yards, 17 touchdowns, and 10 interceptions. And C.J. Bethard has had quite a career in the NFL. He was with San Francisco for three years. Jacksonville last year, I believe he's still on the, the Jacksonville roster. And he's had 500 attempts passing in the NFL. Over 3,500 yards, 50 rushes for 235 yards. Really just living the dream in the NFL. My final pick for the top five quarterbacks in the Kirk Ferentz era is Nate Stanley. And Stanley started for the Hawkeyes for three years. He threw for 68 touchdowns, 23 interceptions, over 8,200 yards passing in his career. His first year as starter was the year after Bethard went to the NFL, and he kicked it off with a win over Wyoming. A fun 44-41 win over the Cyclones and Ames. And then it was kind of an up-and-down season for that team. They had an 8-5 record, but it was highlighted by a 55-24 win over third-ranked Ohio State at home and a 56-14 win over the Cornhuskers on the road. And then the Hawkeyes capped the season with a 27-20 win over Boston College in the pinstripe bowl at Yankee Stadium in New York City. So really a nice season for a first-year starter, 56% completion percentage. That can go up uh, north of 60, of course, but 2,400 yards, 26 touchdowns, to just six interceptions for Stanley. And the 2018 season, again, kicked off with a nice win over Iowa State, 13-3 but there was an early loss to Wisconsin that made it three years in a row that the Hawkeyes had lost to the Badgers. And then there was a three-game losing streak that season at Penn State, at Purdue, and both of those games were within reach. Penn State was a six-point loss, Purdue just two points, and then a four-point loss at home to Northwestern. So Hawkeyes just not getting it done in those close, close games. But, The Hawkeyes won nine games in 2018 with the Outback Bowl win over Mississippi State, 27-22. And what a wild game that was. Some crazy turnovers in the second half. Hawkinson and Fant were just beasts that 2018 season. TJ winning the John Mackey Award as the nation's top tight end in college football. And both players being drafted in the first round. And Stanley completed 59% of his passes, so... A nice jump there, and then 2,800 yards, 26 touchdowns to 10 interceptions. So really good numbers there. In 2019, Stanley improved to 3 and 0 as a starter over Iowa State, getting a win again against the Cyclones, as well as 3 and 0 against Nebraska, Minnesota, and Illinois. And it's really fun beating those rival teams, and and good to see him help in those games get that done well. The Hawkeyes' offense really struggled in some games that year. They lost three to ten at Michigan, twelve to seventeen to Penn State, both great teams, but the offense just couldn't move the ball with any consistency. And then a two point loss to Wisconsin, so just couldn't get over the hump there. But a ten and three record that year with that forty nine to twenty three thrashing of USC in the Holiday Bowl. So overall, a fun season. And that bowl game was just an offensive display Amir Smith, marset Brandon Smith, Tyler Goodson, Mackay Sargent running the football, so you know three really good seasons, and in Stanley's career, the Hawkeyes went from eight and five to nine and four to ten and three over that span and Stanley's final season again, just over fifty nine percent passing just under three thousand yards, sixteen touchdowns, seven interceptions so 10 fewer touchdowns than each of the prior two seasons but there were just some games that year where that offense just really struggled I don't I don't know I think it was part of the problem was with some of the interior offensive line there but overall really nice career for Nate Stanley 27 and 12 record as a starter in his 3 years Well this was just something I thought would be fun to do you know looking up quarterback stats season results and and picking Quarterbacks in the past that I thought really excelled under Kirk Ferentz and the Iowa Hawkeyes. And it's the most discussed position on any football team, the quarterback. So you look forward to 2022, who is going to start? I believe that Spencer Petras will get the nod at least to start the season. But if he doesn't produce, I don't think the coaches will hesitate to put in Padilla with the experience he has in the system. If you listen to Kirk Ferentz, it seems like He's very confident in both of those quarterbacks at this point, and the gap between the two seems pretty small. Really looking forward to this season, and one of the keys is going to be whoever the quarterback is, can they increase that completion percentage? You don't need uh, gains for zero yards. You need you know, to have a, a 60 65%, 62% uh, completion percentage, you know, Making plays on third down, moving the chains, making plays in the red zone, getting touchdowns, and moving the ball and having consistent drives. But both of these guys have been working hard in the offseason with their outside quarterback coaches that are outside the program, and they're getting fundamentally sound, and I truly believe both are going to play with more confidence this season, and they'll be more accurate throwing the football. The offensive line i've mentioned this before it's a huge factor and i think they're going to be much better in 2022 and early in this this podcast season i had mentioned that the hawkeyes are going to have a really big offensive line this year seems like they've been really undersized for quite some while for quite a while um but the way it's looking now they could go 300 plus across the board with Guys that are 6'5", 6'6", 315 pounds. Logan Jones may be the exception if he holds on to that starting center position, but he is just going to be a mauler on the inside with his strength and explosiveness. And just having a better offensive line is going to greatly improve the quarterback play uh, and making them more confident when they're going back to pass. So it's going to be really interesting. You know, I think... One of the big keys this year, too, is drops. I, I was reading some articles on Hawk Central, Chad Lystico, and just shocking to me to see that receivers dropped 20 of Padilla's balls last year. His completion percentage was only 49%, and it was so bad in part because of how many drops. They dropped 18% of his passing attempts. And the guys need the wide receivers to be holding on to the ball, catching it, and and you can't have, have that happen this year. And, and I know the tight ends were part of that as well last season. But the Hawkeyes are going to have to have healthy wide receivers. Those injuries have been really concerning, and especially with how good the wide receivers are that the Hawkeyes have. They're really thin at that position, but the number ones are very talented, and that's the key to this offense to me they can't just throw it to the tight ends all the time. They need to be able to mix it up, get the ball into the hands of the playmakers, whether it's, you know, getting it to Arlen Bruce and Keegan Johnson in space, letting them break some big plays or sending it deep down the field and making the defense play a little softer up front to help open up the running lanes. So, you know, really pumped for this season and I think whoever starts is going to have a lot of things going for them with a better offensive line. Hopefully, wide receivers, you know, Arlen Bruce and Keegan Johnson were just just true freshmen last year. So hopefully those guys have grown quite a bit. The tight ends are going to be amazing. And I think the tweaks to the offense are going to be the biggest key. And this offense has needed some tweaks for quite some time. And having the analyst... Uh, John Budmeyer joined the staff after years at Wisconsin as the quarterbacks coach and then offensive coordinator and quarterbacks coach last year at Colorado State. Is going to be a big key, I think. Uh, And the Hawkeyes making some changes so the quarterbacks can get the ball out quicker and they can move the chains, convert on third down, and convert in the red zone. Well, thanks everybody for listening. Less than two weeks before we swarm Kinnick, and I can't wait. Go Hawks! Thank mm-hmm. you.